having a specific destination, having a target, having a number is often uh, motivating. It's not just that I want to be healthy and maybe I want to exercise for you know, three hours a week. Uh, we know that uh, the goals that are set in terms of the the call and not the means are more motivating. Okay, people are more motivated to uh, uh, to buy a house okay, than uh, uh, to save for uh, for a house. So often, uh, keeping the destination in mind is is important. We know that intrinsic motivation is absolutely critical when people set a goal that they don't get immediate benefits. It doesn't feel right as they do it. That the all purpose is getting the, the far away thing, then this is not going to work. Welcome to the World Class Leader Show. This is the one and only podcast for ambitious and high achievers, professionals who want to become world class leaders. In this podcast, we deconstruct the success of high performance leaders share their stories, and teach the most effective strategies to move from average to greatness. This is your host, Andrea Petroni, a high-performance and leadership advisor, executive coach, and keynote speaker with more than 20 years of international and executive corporate experience. Hi, and welcome back to a new episode of the World Class Leader Show. And in today's episode, I'm so thrilled to have a conversation uh, about one of the most interesting topics for me, which is motivation. And to talk about goals and motivation, I have the honor to have with me uh, Dr. Ayelet Fishback. She has a PhD, is the Jeffrey Breckenridge Keller Professor of Behavioral Science and Marketing at the University of Chicago Booth School of Business, and the author of Get It Done, Surprising Lessons from the Science of Motivation. She is the past president of the Society for the Study of Motivation and the International Social Cognition Network. She's an expert on motivation and decision-making. Dr. Fishback's groundbreaking research on human motivation has won the Society of Experimental Social Psychology's Best Dissertation Award and Career Trajectory Award and the Fulbright Educational Foundation Award. So welcome to the show, Ayelet. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Yes, me too. Right, so the reason why I invited Ayelet is because I was so intrigued by, uh, by the fact that she published a book, as I said before, about goal setting, but most importantly, motivation. It's so important to, especially in these days, right, to keep the very high level motivation because there is a very high level of distraction, but also, you know, working online for many people has actually really had an impact, negative impact sometimes on the ability of people to reach their own goals, to so setting their goals first, reaching their own goals, but also stay, stay really motivated. To, to achieve this goal. So, but without any further ado, let's, uh, let's talk with Ayelet on this. Ayelet, would you like to say to the audience a little bit more about you and your story? Yes, I would love to, Andrea. Uh, I am uh, a professor at the University of Chicago uh, Business School. 
Uh, I've been here for uh, quite a few years by now. I did not grow up in the U.S. I grew up in uh, Israel in uh, a small uh, community, a kibbutz. Uh, I am a first-generation college student. I discovered my uh, passion for psychology when I went to Tel Aviv University and uh, I never wanted to uh, stop studying uh, psychology. I was interested in particular in social psychology, which is the, the study of the situation and how what we do is a function of where we are and who's around us, our opportunities, okay, what's available for us, what we see. Uh, I uh, was interested in motivation that back then was not a big topic. That was the end of the 90s. Uh, like we studied it in therapy and clinical psychology, but not so much in social mm. psychology. Behavioral economics was kind of just uh, starting. And I was really lucky to uh, first get a job at the University of Chicago at the Center for Decision Research, and second, to uh, enter a field that was just about to explode. And then over the next 20 years, motivation became such a big part of the decision-making research of behavioral economics in social psychology that became a, a big topic. So um, I uh, was just at the, no, at the right place at the right time, which is the message of social psychology. And I am uh, uh, grateful to have had the opportunity. Yeah, that's, that's lovely. You speak a little bit more about your story in your book, for example, you know, when you grew up and what was the challenge you faced at the time. And that is, it's fascinating the transition in what you're doing right now. Now, I have a question before uh, stepping into the, the main content. I would like to understand why you have decided to write that book. Why is it important right now? Uh, well, it was important for me because I was in a field that is exploding with ideas okay mm. so you know remember like I, I I'm getting into this field that like barely exists and then uh, uh, dozens of people are producing uh, uh, knowledge and there are experiments and there is research and it's such a big topic and so I I felt that it was important to just put some order in, in things, I actually started writing not with the intention of writing a book. I was just putting order in the knowledge and I was initially writing for my daughter who was starting med school. She will be graduating next week. So uh, oh, wow. It's, yeah, it's a nice time to talk about it. I was just, it was four years ago. She was just starting. Uh, I was kind of writing uh, some summaries uh, to her. She uh, commented and then uh, no, I, I realized that there was a framework. I, I basically discovered something. And, you know, when, when you have a, a discovery, you want to, to share it. Uh, as I was, I got my contract to, to write a book and I, uh, you know, was starting to write and uh, uh, then it was COVID. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, the, the world uh, shut down or at least my world shut down for a, a, a couple of months. I, I found myself... Uh, uh, just uh, busy like everybody else with trying to work from home and, and how we do this. And, uh, and initially, everybody was very motivated to, uh, to get things done, basically, the title of my book. Uh, then we saw a motivational crisis, which, you know, we kind of predicted because mm. everything just became very hard. And, uh, and where you, you, 
you briefly mentioned that it's harder to be motivated today and it's harder because there is less structure. Our day is less organized. Many of us who have hybrid uh, workplace or we work from home, like you know, when, when do I work? When do I do something else? Work can be something that never ends or, you know, that never starts. And, and so it, um, it, again, I guess in my life, I, I was lucky to write uh, about a topic that uh, just became even more important than, than before. Totally. And then there is also, I think, from my point of view, there is all the, the, the incredible growth, the attention that neuroscience is getting to, and then the, the element of neuroscience, how that plays into goal setting and motivation. So I'm, I'm, I'm a certified neuroscience coach, so that's an area that I know quite well, although I'm not a neuroscientist. So that, that's, that's another reason why it's so relevant talking about these, these things right now. So you mentioned about the framework, Ayelet. Uh, Would you like to, because actually your book is built as a framework. So, you know, one step at a time, how from really from setting goals, then to stay uh, motivated, but also how to find the support to make sure that you get going. So would you like to explain a bit more that what is this framework? I would love to. So when I put some organization into this field, what I realized is that if you take all the interventions that we develop, all the strategies that we use for ourselves in order to motivate others, they fall into four buckets. And I often refer to these as four elements of motivation. The first one is setting a goal. The second one is monitoring progress. The third is managing multiple goals. And the fourth is getting social support. And let me tell you a little bit about each one of them. So the, the, the first challenge is setting a goal. Okay. And you now we know that if people set their goals correctly, these goals are going to be motivating. These goals are going to pull them and toward them. And so we know, for example, that uh, having a specific destination, having a target, having a number is often uh, motivating. It's not just that I want to be healthy and maybe I want to exercise for you know, three hours a week. Uh, we know that, uh, that the goals that are set in terms of the the goal and not the means are more motivating. Okay, people are more motivated to uh, uh, to buy a house okay, than uh, uh, to save for uh, for a house. So often, uh, keeping the destination in mind is is important. We know that intrinsic motivation is absolutely critical when people set a goal that they don't get immediate benefits. It doesn't feel right as they do it. That the all purpose is getting like the, the far away thing, then this is not going to work. I probably say too much here, but I will also mention that approach goals, do goals tend to do better than do not uh, goals. It's easier to do something than to try to avoid uh, something. Uh, then the second part is uh, monitoring progress. And you now we, we look at when does it make sense to look back at what you have achieved when it makes sense to highlight what is still missing in motivating others okay whether uh, like, let's say you're running a charity campaign whether you should tell potential donors how much money you have collected versus how much money you are still missing to uh, to meet your goal that these are decisions that you make and, and that matters uh, negative feedback setbacks that are going to occur along the way are they going to inspire you to uh, 
make you grow or you'll give up. We have interventions that are going to help you with the former. Uh, the, the third bucket, managing multiple goals. I look at when people balance between the goals, when they look at the right compromise uh, versus when uh, they want to prioritize. Okay? And how do we help people prioritize? Maybe exercise self-control. Okay, Make sure that you put the, the healthy uh, before the unhealthy. Uh, other times, how do you find the right compromise? Nowadays, like the big thing is that how do you compromise your, your work and family? I say nowadays, I mean, it was always important, but when you work from home, it is even more important. Okay? It, it, it becomes a real challenge. And, and then the, the last packet is uh, uh, social support. And how do we do things with others and with the support of others? Most of the important goals in our life are things that we are doing with other people. Okay, whether it's starting a company, working on a project at work, uh, uh, starting a family, uh, uh, you know, working with your neighbors to, to have a lovely uh, neighborhood and so on. And, uh, uh, and then for our personal goals, we look at others and they are influencing us. They are our uh, role models. And so uh, this is the fourth element. It's great because people love frameworks because they see like a sequential process so they know exactly what they need to do in order to get to the point and then go to the next one. So I think in the way how you, in my experience, you built it is actually really already helps people to stay much more focused, understand exactly what they need to do. But why don't we go back to the beginning? Because I have a few questions about most of these steps, actually. So you mentioned the number one is really setting goals, no? And one of the things that uh, I learned from my personal experience is that when you set your goal, so I'm talking about the challenge level. So when we set a goal, sometimes we tend to either set a goal that is too easy or maybe it's too complicated to achieve. Now, both examples, they're not good, at least in my experience, because if they're too easy, then you get it done, but then you're not motivated even to get better and then to go to the next level. If it's too difficult, then you are highly motivated at the beginning because you see an incredible potential achievement there. But as soon as you realize that it's so difficult to go there, you tend to stop, give up, and then focus on other things. So how do you, when you're setting a goal, what is the right sweet spot to understanding what is the right challenge level that we can and will take on board when we said that? Yeah, you uh, nicely illustrated the problem with uh, having goals that are either too easy or uh, too uh, difficult. Uh, there is research on energization, uh, which is the, you know, the, the process of motivating yourself, of getting excited and ready for the, the task. And what this research finds is that when people are preparing for a difficult task, you see their, their heart rate increasing. Uh, mm. You see that they are energizing uh, themselves. Okay? If the, I have like a difficult memory uh, task, I'm excited to do this and you can get this in physiological measures but when uh, when you only ask me to remember like three words and it's super easy then uh, the heart rate remains flat okay there is no excitement and when you ask me to remember uh, 100 words then again there is no excitement because I know that I have no chance so you know you, you kind of need to set the goal so that it is motivating either will get the person to, to work hard, get yourself to work hard. Uh, but the, the risk is that you might not reach it. And uh, uh, 
what we find in our studies is that it often makes sense to challenge yourself. It often makes sense to set a goal that maybe you have 80% chance of achieving. But then have a healthier relationship with that target. Okay? If I set my, my goal to like finish my uh, uh, task at work by the end of the week, and I didn't finish it by the end of the week, then healthy relationship means that, well, okay, well, I, I said that, that deadline because I was trying to motivate myself. Okay? Often it doesn't really matter if I finish it by Friday afternoon or I will still have to do it on Monday morning. Okay? The, the target was there to motivate myself and to work hard. And I know I, I've wrote about studies in which people, when you just leave them to, to set their own deadlines, to set their own targets, to say how much they will do and how soon they tend to be overly optimistic. And often they, you know, they they don't meet these uh, uh, goals, uh, but they worked harder. Okay, they they tried uh, harder, which is uh, what matters between us. The targets are often arbitrary, right? Uh, the important thing is that you worked hard. So, in other words, if I understand what you're saying, is setting a specific timeline or deadline for for a goal is less relevant than the challenge level of the goals itself. Because if the challenge level is right, anyway, you will be motivated to, to work hard to achieve that goal, regardless whether you achieve it by 31st of May or 31st of June. Is that right? Yeah. Well, what I say is like when people set the target, it's partially right. When people set the target, they usually have two numbers, how much and how soon. Okay, mm -hmm. So I will walk 10,000 steps by the end of yes. the day. Okay, Or I will... Uh, you know, uh, eat uh, uh, three servings of something uh, today. Uh, and for how much and how soon, it's important that it's not easy, that it's not guaranteed, okay? that, uh, uh, that you will have to work hard to meet that number. And then it's also important that if you don't meet that number, you you don't give up. Let me know that there is a really uh, nice research that uh, looked at uh, dieters that monitor their calorie intake. Mm -hmm. And it, it turned out, well, like it, it's not surprising that like fewer calories they eat, the more weight they lose. Okay, But it turned out that there is discontinuity uh, such that if they fail to meet their target by just a little bit, they are going to not lose weight or lose much less weight than if they met their target by just a little bit. Meaning if my goal was to eat 2,500 calories uh, uh, today and I had just like 100 calories above that, I might give up on the goal okay, and give up on my healthy right. diet. Uh, and like, so... The number is motivating, but it's also important to remember that that number was meant to motivate. Ultimately, what matters is that I will eat healthy food. Yeah, so that, that's that's excellent point. You also touch on one of the areas that I, I incredibly love is the conversation about intrinsic motivation. And, um, you know, I think it's now is very clear, hopefully to everyone really, or at least to most of the population, that money is not clearly an intrinsic motivation, or at least, you know, it motivates you until the point. There is such an amazing, famous research that says in the US, 
when you hit your probably $75,000 per year as a salary, then you have enough then to start really not, not having an additional level of motivation for any increase of money because you got your, your essential, your, your, your basic need. That's, you know, go to Maslow and all of that. Um, now, regardless whether the number is right or wrong, I think is arbitrary as many other things, but I, I strongly agree on the point. So as most of our people in, in the audience, they are leaders in the corporate world. They are, of course, they're interested to salaries, but also they are interested, of course, to, to build this intrinsic motivation. First of all, what is intrinsic motivation? What are the key elements of that? And how can we increase that level of intrinsic motivation? Yeah, many things that you mentioned there. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, it is true that... Uh, the correlation between uh, salaries and life satisfaction are not high, and they are mainly driven by people that uh, make uh, below 75,000 mm. a year in the US. Okay, so uh, when you look at uh, high income uh, professionals, uh, how much money they make is not predicting their life satisfaction at all. Uh, intrinsic motivation, uh, predicts how much you like your job because intrinsic motivation is exactly uh, that, okay? It's uh, the immediate benefit that you get from doing something. If we look at intrinsic motivation at work, it's uh, uh, how much uh, you are interested, okay? how uh, much you are challenged in a good way, okay? You, you want to do something that you haven't done before that is interesting for you. Uh, how much you uh, you like your colleagues, okay? So going to work is is fun, or, you know, uh, meeting them and, and thinking about problems uh, uh, with them. Uh, by the end of the day, uh, are you the person that uh, can't wait uh, for the work to end so you can do something else? Or are you the person that uh, wishes that they had a few more minutes to finish what they have started? The latter is intrinsically motivated, okay? They, they, they want to do it, okay? They want to do it a little bit more before they, they need to do a, a something else. Uh, and uh, the ways to increase intrinsic motivation are really directed toward increasing the benefits or the rewards of doing the work while you are doing it, okay? So it's mm. the, uh, it can either be in the area of personal growth okay so doing something that is different that is more interesting that is uh, uh, more challenging uh, or in the you know the, the social aspect okay doing it with a group okay uh, interacting with other people we are social animals uh, people are social animals so uh, we don't like uh, to work by ourselves uh, uh, provide more social interaction, provide uh, uh, more opportunities to meet people, to uh, to be with them, to have meaningful uh, relationships. These are ways to increase intrinsic motivation at work. Now, when we move to other domains of your life, well, the, there are ways to increase intrinsic motivation. Uh, they are basically what you need to think is how, how do I make this more rewarding? at the present, okay, as I'm doing that, the thing, okay, so how do I make my uh, exercise uh, routine more interesting and fun while I'm doing it? Is it music? Is it TV? Is it a company of someone? Is it variety uh, uh, seeking? Uh, as, as soon as you uh, 
put your mind into thinking that you need to make this fun right now, you will increase intrinsic motivation. And ultimately, not just how happy you are with your, with your work, with your exercising, with the food that you eat, whatever it is that you do, but also persistence. And in, in, in my work with Caitlin Woolley, we measure intrinsic motivation at a particular time, and then we follow up with people over almost a year. And we find that people that were intrinsically motivated to do whatever they said to do, okay, eat healthy food, exercise, achieve something at work, they are likely to persist on the goal they, uh, almost a year later, uh, where is the, uh, the people that were not intrinsically motiv motivated are going to, to drop the goal along the way. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly what I thought, and uh, that resonates with my finding when, when I work with, with teams in particular. And yeah, I love that. Now, you mentioned before, one thing, I think one of the things that really, really stick with me while I was reading your book, and because, you know, I, I knew most of the things, but honestly, you opened up my mind on, on things that I didn't know, or maybe I didn't focus much about. So, and one of those things, although, honestly, I, I heard about this, this thing, but not maybe too much, or I probably disregard, is the fact that you must really enjoy the journey in order to really get your motivation at the maximum level because it's not the goal itself that is going to make you really or going to keep you highly motivated but it's the enjoying the journey along the way because you the example that you made before but also in the book i think is great example is going to the gym for example for losing weight right we have the objective objective is important for us because it's a part of our identity so that's why it becomes important we have we are motivated to lose weight but the journey itself, most of the time, we don't enjoy the journey because we don't want to maybe, I don't know, uh, you know work harder at the gym, maybe eating foods that we don't like, all that stuff. It sounds like if we find a balance of enjoying what we do, really, that is going to really skyrocket our ability to reach our goals. Is that right? Uh, absolutely. And uh... Now, one thing that's interesting about it is that uh, uh, when you say it, people say, oh, yes, sure. And uh, when you uh, measure people's intuitions when left to their own devices, they, they tend to miss it. And, uh, let me give you an example. We, uh, you know, we went and study. this is with Caitlin Wally, who's now at Cornell, uh, where we uh, had people choose between two jobs. Okay? They are participants in our experiment, and, and some of them... Uh, are choosing well let me explain the choice okay they choose between two jobs uh, one is to listen to a loud alarm clock and you know wait it uh, the other one is to uh, listen to that song hey jude by the beatles and you know wait it uh, it seems like a no-brainer okay but we offer more money for uh, the the people that will listen to the alarm clock which means the majority of our participants are choosing to listen to the loud alarm uh, then uh, uh, guess what? When we ask them about regret, the people that chose the alarm clock are regretting their choice, while the people that chose the, the song, the minority, only 25% of the people that choose to listen mm. to the song, they don't regret their choice. So what people are missing here, why didn't they choose the thing that they will not regret? Well, what we see is that 
We know that intrinsic motivation is important for what we do right now. Okay, so while I'm at the gym or at work, I know that I can do that because it feels good and it feels good right now. But when I make plans for tomorrow, okay, for the next thing that I will do, when people apply for future jobs, they tend to think that their future self will care less about immediate uh, benefits, about intrinsic motivation, and more about the, the long-term uh, goals. And, you know, we, we refer to this sometimes as the empathy bias, okay? like the, uh, mm. the the idea where you just have a little empathy to your future self. Okay? You, you don't know that the person that you will be next month is going to find it very difficult to get out, out of the bed in the morning if their job is not interesting. Uh, you think that this person will go for the money, okay? This person <laughs> will go for the uh, perks and, and not realize that intrinsic motivation, feeling good while you're doing the thing is so critical for persistence. And exactly, I think yeah, probably I should have used that word rather than just enjoying, but really feeling, feeling about about the, about the goal itself. And many people, I remember I had interviewed uh, years ago a, a person that had been through different cancer in early days. He has been able to go over these cancers. And then he also set as a goal itself to climbing the Himalayas, one of the biggest mountains. And he has been able to do it. It's, it's an amazing story because, I mean, going through, uh, by the way, this very, very uh, terrible form of cancer. And he had twice when he was a teenager and he solved them. And then he became an incredible uh, performer as a climber. And one thing that uh, stick in my mind, I remember when he said, well, my secret to reach that goal that was so impossible if I'm just thinking about it, looking back thinking about that that goal but what he said was when I decided to set the goal until then I achieve it I spend a lot of time feeling the goal so I start asking myself how am I going to feel if I reach the peak of the mountain and what he said is there are people that are doing visualization other other ways to you know either setting goals but also how to stay motivated and that's the next question to you is how to really stay motivated and for many people is writing down goals you know building tasks building lists visualizing meditation for him was about feeling about the future how i'm gonna feel if i reach that goal and that really what kept him alive during the journey so what is your best suggestion when it comes to stay motivated once you set the goals because as you said before distraction are many how can we stay focused on goals? Yeah, uh, we. I, I love the story. We are all climbing some mountain, right? Uh, often it's not an actual mountain, but exactly. it's uh, the mountain of uh, getting a job when you are uh, looking for a job, the, the mountain of... Uh, uh, no, uh, getting a college degree, the mountain of starting a relationship or uh, uh, raising a child. Uh, so we, we all have these mountains that we climb in our life. And then when we go on the journey, that looks so far and, uh, and so impossible. And, and yet we have that destination. Uh, what we find is that it's often at least at the beginning, at least up to the midpoint and at the point where you feel lack of confidence, it's often important to look back because uh, your, uh, your guy was uh, always looking forward and this is 
probably because he was highly motivated uh, all along. Uh, most of us, when we start on something, well, we are excited to start, but we are not sure that we can do it. Our confidence is low. Okay, when uh, you know, someone starts a, a four-year college, they don't know how it will work out. They mm. they don't feel so confident most of us like when we when we started a, a new job or a new project i i don't know if this is for me i don't know if i can do it okay it's certainly like starting a new exercise like i i don't know if i can play tennis okay like, like we'll see and, and all these times it actually makes sense to monitor progress in terms of looking back okay see how much you have done uh, if you, you you think about it, uh, if you are, let's say, 20% into the goal and you look back, then your next step will seem to have greater impact than if you think that you still have 80% to go. Okay, like that. Uh, you have such a long way ahead of you uh, that and any specific action might seem like a drop in the bucket. But when you look back, you say, well, I just doubled my progress. Okay, I, uh, you know, I, I just uh, made another step and I'm farther from where I started to, uh, uh, to climb the mountain. And, and so we, we really think that for, for novices, for uh, beginners, look back. At when you reach the, the midpoint, this is when you, you can start to, to look forward and, and see how much is uh, uh, missing we also find with employees that when they look forward they have higher level of aspiration so people that spontaneously tell me like i i still need to do this and that like i still need to finish these projects they they already have you know the, the next goal in mind they have a higher level of aspiration but the, the people that look back often enjoy their job more okay often feel like oh i completed these projects i feel good i feel confident i feel committed i guess i can uh, do it and, and you really want to you know, try both ways and see what works best for you and if you're unsure about your commitment look back the, one of the challenge that i see especially um, my type of work is a kind of very long term so i get involved in large or maybe complex or long change initiative you know those projects they take time you know to materialize uh, one of the things that happened during this large project that there is a very high level of commitment momentum, uh, motivation as well at the beginning, because, you know, there is, there is this vibe energy around the project because people, they get uh, involved, they see the value, you know, all that stuff. But then as soon as they start, I mean, you, you made a very good point. Looking back is a good way rather than say what else is missing or is what, what I've done so far, right? However, you, you're right to the point, especially in the middle where you feel that, yes, you did 50%. But the end is still very far away because it's not something like a month, maybe six months, or even one year or two years. And that's where I see people really lose motivation and, and feel disengaged and demotivated, but also, you know, having other type of problems like stress level, the normal increase, the burnout. What would be a good suggestion for long project when you are in the middle? Yeah, this is the middle problem, which you so yeah. uh, nicely articulated, right? At the beginning, we are excited. We celebrate beginnings. We celebrate ends. Uh, we feel that we are making fast progress at the beginning, right? Our first step is like 100% of the progress that we achieved so far. Our last uh, day working on a project, well, we are going to have the project completed uh, by the end of the day. So we are super excited 
And then in the middle is where you, you see people both walking less hard and then less likely to adhere to performance standards. So not do such a great job. Okay. And, uh, yes. you know, we, uh, 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 to demonstrate the latter, we, we had a study in which we found that people literally cut corners in the middle. So we gave them a, hmm. shapes that we drawn and a piece of paper and a pair of scissors, and then they had to cut out these shapes. And they were literally cutting the corners of the shapes when they were in the middle. And so, <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Not, right, so not only you are not uh, uh, like very enthusiastic and you're not very fast, uh, you, you also just do a sloppy uh, job. Uh, and uh, uh, then the number one solution is make middles short. Okay? Uh, uh, don't have an annual uh, saving goal. Think about a monthly saving goal. Or, uh, you know, uh, instead of a monthly exercise goal, move to a daily exercise goal for projects at work. Well, we we need to cut them into parts that have clear beginning and end. It is really hard to work on a project for years. So what uh, what are we trying to achieve this week okay what's the goal for this month okay then you have less of a middle okay if you are first week if it's a month the first week you're at the beginning and the last week you're at the end you have only two weeks that uh, are the middle which is better than the long stretch of time uh, sub goals are meant to get rid of these uh, uh, long long uh, uh, middles where we lose our motivation yeah, totally. And and that is a big message for leaders that are running this large and long project is thinking more how they can break down these projects in a way that uh, can give an immediate outcome to the people so they can actually not only stay motivated, but more important, I think, to uh, regain the mojo, but also uh, through celebration more, because, you know, if there are some specific goals that can be achieved in a shorter period of time you can actually if you're a good leader you can celebrate more with the people and that's another great way for increasing or bringing back motivation because otherwise a long project no goal achievable in i don't know six months 12 months there is not even no opportunity to praise them to see you know how good they're working and what results they're they're getting right yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Let's uh, let's celebrate uh, meeting our sub goals. Okay? Let's have some structure. And we started this conversation by noting the unstructured world in which we now operate. And with lack of structure in, uh, in, in the world of work, okay, the more we, we have goals, we have sub goals, we celebrate uh, at the end, we uh, note the beginning, uh, the easier it is to, to people to feel that they are making progress and, and it feels good when you're making progress that you are, you know you're climbing the mountain you're getting somewhere totally now and then the third element of your framework that you mentioned before is is about you know priority setting and that's another problem people face the ability to understand what they need to work on in our life we you know, we have one goal, maybe two or three goals related to the main goal, but also there are new things coming up, you know, new things coming up. So then there are new goals that are come to our way. And uh, normally when we get new goals, 
uh, into our bucket, then is the time when we start forgetting or giving focus to the main goals that we were working on it. How can you stay focused on the main goals, but at the same time, carry on other goals that are important for you? Yeah, uh, you know, uh, Kiko, the, the philosopher said that the purity of the heart is to will one thing. And uh, I, I don't think that any psychologist would uh, ever say that this is possible. Okay? <laughs> and so uh, we advise people to pick your battle. Uh, and uh, might be less inspiring, but uh, much more realistic. We, we want people to understand their priorities and to understand which goals fit with each other. Okay, when can you create a balance uh, and when uh, the right thing is to prioritize. Okay? And, uh, uh, and, and when I refer to uh, balance, uh, uh, we, we think about what we refer to as a multifinal uh, means, which is basically all these activities or, or uh, objects or, uh, or people in our life that can help us achieve multiple goals simultaneously. Okay? It's uh, like bringing uh, your lunch from home so that it is uh, healthier, uh, cheaper, and saves you time. Okay? You are trying to achieve multiple goals simultaneously, okay? Like, uh, you know, going shopping with a friend so that you get your errands done while also having a social event at the same time. Uh, in, in my writing, I refer to this as feeding two birds with one scone mm. because I don't like killing birds. Uh, but basically, planning to pursue several goals simultaneously. We also think about what we refer to as equifinal means, which are different activities that all lead to the same goal. Okay, so I can exercise uh, uh, by by biking to uh, uh, work or uh, by walking in the afternoon or by uh, swimming over the, uh, the weekend. And this is something that we capture in the, 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 the say all uh, roads leads to Rome. Uh, when you know that all roads leads to wrong. When you know that there are many ways to exercise or many ways to do well at work, that allows you to be flexible. That allows you to understand that if one thing doesn't work, then the other thing can work. And I often encourage people to be visual about it. So, you know, write what you can achieve with a certain activity and write the different activities that will all lead to the same goal so that you can really understand your goal system, okay? You can understand what are the things that are important for you in your life and how you can get to, to find the right balance between them to, to pursue uh, several things uh, uh, simultaneously. So uh, as, as I say this, my answer is, is a bit abstract. I can, you know, break it into specific examples, but it's really the the analysis that we all do for our own life, or that we should do where we understand what's important. Okay, where, where do I want to focus on in my life right now? And let's say that the family, there is a leisure, there, there is work. In each of these domains, what are the, the main goals and how can I find the activities that lead me to, to get to these goals? Yeah, is uh, being fully aligned in in alignment with your your purpose first, your vision as an as a professional, as an individual. And, and I always say to people when they get confused or distracted, 
on their own goals and the things they need to give priority to is always going back to the why, why you are doing this and what is, what is yeah. the vision that you have. And once, especially when you work with teams, that's super powerful because teams get sometimes even more distracted on priority than the individuals, right? Because teams are working on multiple projects for organizations. And when, but when you help them to go back to the main thing, the, the why they're working together, what is the main goal, that becomes much, much easier than to get them back on track and resetting their goal. Now, the last question about that, the, the last part of your framework is the support system. For me, that is super important because either, you know, we're talking about people in a team or even when you work on, on your own as an individual, you want to be around people. They're going to support your goal. They're going to help you achieve them. Now, if we put ourselves in their shoes, right? So what is the best way to support someone achieving his own goals? What, what do you think would be based on your research? Uh, there are many ways that you can uh, support another person. I, l- let me say the easiest way is to uh, just uh, uh, have the goal for them. Okay, so to uh, to expect them to uh, uh, to do well, to uh, uh, to want them to be successful. And so we know that. Uh, uh, parents that want their children to be successful in their career have great relationships with their uh, children and uh, uh, are increasing the odds that their children will have a successful uh, uh, career. So the you know, the easiest thing is just to, to be there and, and be uh, supportive. Then, of course, you, you can help. You can uh, divide the work. We see that couples often have a, a very efficient division of labor uh, between them. Okay, so you no, know, they like one person is uh, is responsible for the financial side, another person is uh, uh, responsible for like planning the the, the trips that the, the couple wants to uh, to make. Uh, when there are different challenges at work, then like allowing. Uh, your uh, partner to uh, uh, focus on the, the current challenge, just giving them more time, more uh, space, uh, many ways in which we can uh, support each other. What my work in particular finds is that uh, it's uh, it, it's critical for the relationship that we are drawn closer to uh, people that are supportive of our goals, okay? And the, the, the field of motivation and relationship are, are very close at this point because we realize that our friends, uh, the people with whom we have good relationships are often the people that support our goals, are often the people that know uh, our goals. And, uh, and we move away from people that are no longer relevant for our uh, goals, that are no longer uh, supportive. Now, that, that's critical, and, and I, I do agree 100% with you, Yeret. But my question, or like more like a challenge, is if you're not surrounded by people that are supporting your goal because they have their own agenda, their own personal objective, etc. I'm not talking about just family in general. How do you think this is going to affect our ability to achieve these goals? I mean, is there a correlation, a connection between the two, or is it irrelevant? Yeah, yeah. Well, you you have to uh, find new people in your life. Like, uh, it's just not going to work either. Uh, the idea that uh, you can do things uh, by yourself without social support is uh, is completely unrealistic and uh, mm-hmm. and denying our uh, human nature. Okay, I uh, 
No, I, I often tell my students that uh, if your boss doesn't think that you are great, you need to find another job, okay? Because if you are working with a, a manager that doesn't think that you have a potential, you, right now you believe in yourself, but this is going to change. Like this person is going to convince you that your potential is, is low. Uh, the, the people around us influence us and the people around us influence us because we as people are not good at separating the self from other people. Mm. Okay. Think about our language. It's so easy to move from you and I to we. Yes. Okay. It's so easy to say we, even if I didn't do part of what like, we did. Okay. It's like talk about like what we as a university achieved, even if I, I wasn't part of the, that research or like what uh, mm. no, we, I, we won the game over the weekend. I didn't play the game. It was, uh, you know, the, the team that I'm a fan of. We, uh, we so easily move from you and I into uh, we and adopting the other's perspective into our perspective. Uh, in, in psychology, we refer to it often as shared reality. Okay, I, I see things the way you see them. Yes. And if you look at me and what you see is someone who's underperforming and is not very good at what she's doing, it's not only that I can say Andrea is not supportive, is that I feel that I cannot do it. I feel that we don't think that I'm very good at what yes. I'm doing. And, and, and therefore, it is so critical to have around you people that are supportive of what you are trying to achieve. And if they are not there, well, you know, go, go find them. Go change your inner circle. Yeah, I love that. And it's good that you mentioned that because I think that is an important point because not everyone has the luxury to be surrounded by people that support. So I think it's, it's good that we discuss that. Let me say one thing that uh, maybe I kind of hinted, but I will put it on the table, that the way to, to change your motivation is uh, often changing your situation, changing your circumstances, changing you know, the, the way you think about the problem and the people around you. I don't like the advice of uh, try harder, okay, mm. or think why it's important for you, or, you know, do a better job. Like that's, if, if nothing changes and I'm just trying harder, uh, well, I, I don't believe in, in, in that. It, it's about uh, changing something in the way you do it uh, is the recipe for success. I love that because that's the part of most of the work that we do as a coach with clients is change your know, behavioral changes. Because that is a, an essential way to start shaping your future in a different way. It has to start with behavior and your personal change. Yeah, so the last very quick question, so I expect a very, a very quick answer from you too. So what is one lesson that you really learned across all your amazing career? Intrinsic motivation. I started my career studying self-control. I thought that I could get myself to do anything. And I, um, at this point, uh, know that I do things because I love them because I'm enthusiastic. So I will go with the intrinsic motivation. And what is, on the other hand, one thing that maybe you would have done differently in your career? What I would have done uh, differently? I, I think I would uh, probably take more risks, uh, uh, be less uh, uh, concerned about failure. And uh, and maybe it's uh, that, you know, the hindsight bias. It's easy now to... Uh, 
to say that, but I, I feel that uh, that I now know better how to like cope with with setbacks, with with failures. That uh, I I'm willing to jump into the pool uh, without being too careful in testing the water. Yeah, I love that. In terms of performance, we discuss actually about performance because we mentioned motivation, goal, etc. But is there anything else that uh, you you discover that is super important as a factor to drive you and people at, to, at the top of their performance one single factor that counts most than anything else yes so so this would really be the like the the immediate uh, uh pleasure the the interest mm. okay and, and i'm not like you know i like I, the, the risk in saying that is that it sounds like i advise everybody should like i eat ice cream and and, and watch tv and and that's not what i mean okay so, yes uh, I, i don't think that that causes a uh, 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 real pleasure uh, but uh, like working on a on an important problem that excites you with uh, uh, people that uh, that excite you uh, uh, just like uh, be very engaged in uh, in what you do because it feels right because it feels interesting because it's challenging because it's important and and, and it, 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 not not just in the long run but right now it, it feels like like yeah. you're totally in it Love it, love it, and that also goes with uh, with the idea of the flow. We didn't have time to talk about flow and focus, but that that's another area that you know it's, it resonates a lot with what you're saying. Finally, about books. So, what is one of few books that really impacted your your life uh, so far, Yelitz? Yeah, that, that's a, the question that I dread and dread because there are so many books, and I you know I I read a book they. Every week, every month, and it's so hard to say. I started my career like back in grad school. Like I read Kurt Lewin and his early work on motivation was beautiful uh, book. Yeah, yeah, beautiful researches. Yeah, all right, was was highly uh, inspiring. And you know, nowadays, uh, well, there is like so much. I I like loved uh, Annika Hahnemann's uh, work. Uh, like thinking fast, thinking slow, uh, Richard Thaler, uh, uh, Nudges, uh, uh, Dan Gilbert, uh, Stumbling on Happiness, uh, uh, Angela Duckworth, uh, uh, Grit, uh, uh, Carol Dweck's... Uh, uh, on the mindset. Yeah, on mindset. Okay, you asked me to list one, and I think I just gave you 10, and I will continue <laughs> listing them. So, uh, yeah, I'll stop here. I noticed something. You did not mention Daniel Pink. And for many people, Daniel Pink has been one of the first authors about motivation. What do you think about that? Was really so pioneer in, in his idea of motivation or maybe wasn't too deep into the, into the topic? I, I love his work. Uh, I didn't mention it just because, uh, you know, I, I was thinking about work that I encountered in a kindergarten earlier stages in my life and uh, and that influenced my like my my of course going into the field of motivation and even though like you know like uh, uh, carol dweck's uh, uh, book uh, uh, came after i was already an established researcher her research okay her ideas were things that i totally. <laughs> went into uh, early on so uh, uh, yeah that and uh, daniel pink yeah yeah well amazing amazing 
um, amazing suggestions, by the way. And we will put this as much as we can to the, in the, into the show notes. Where people should go if they want to find, my, find out more about your work and, of course, about your book. So, you know, I hope that people will choose to read Get It Done. Uh, I hope that uh, they go on my website, ayeletfishback.com. Yeah. Uh, uh, here's the book, Get It Done. Uh, on my website, I recorded a, a class, a short class on motivation. Uh, I uh, refer people to... Uh, uh, the many places in which the, the work uh, appeared. Uh, there is really so much exciting work on motivation. Thank you, Andrea, for uh, you know, giving the stage for, for this work to uh, you know, to get the word out, to get it to the people. And yeah, go, go on my website. It's uh, everything. What is the website? It's, I yell it. It's my name, I yell it, Fishback. So A Y E L E T, Fishback, F I S H B A C H dot com. Perfect. Yele, thank you so much for this incredible conversation and good luck with the book. Thank you so much, Andrea. As this is a very interesting topic. I really would like to hear from you and understanding what you think about this. So please send me any comments either uh, on LinkedIn or you can send me via email at andrea at andreapetroni.com. You can find any way these links on the show notes and um, and by the way if you like what we shared i strongly recommend actually to leave a review because you know as a podcaster we live with reviews so the only way for our episode and our podcast to grow is by having positive reviews so i appreciate that and also sharing with your friends and colleagues if you think that might be interesting and final note I normally um, summarize the findings of each episode, even the ones with the guests, uh, on my website. And I write every Thursday a very interesting uh, short summary about what we share. So if you don't want to miss that and you prefer uh, reading, I strongly recommend going to my website, www.andreapetrone.com blog. You can subscribe there. I'm not sending any sales thing. It's just big, good insights of my experience with the podcast and my work with clients so thank you so much for listening to this episode and i look forward to seeing you next time